All right, podcast listeners, we're back. This is episode number eight. Uh, today I'm with my old friend, seriously one of my oldest friends, uh, Ben Lovejoy. And I guess I should say I, I met Ben in 93 when I started working at Think Skateboards in San Francisco. Ben was the think probably the solitary member of the art department at think at the time that's right and uh we hit it off (laughs) as far as i'm concerned and i think ben has had a really cool career ever since we first linked up and uh i'm just excited to uh let people get to know ben um so ben so uh mike how did it all start? I know you grew up back east, right? Yeah. Where? I grew up in western Massachusetts in, uh, in a town called Wilbraham. It was the home of Friendly's Ice Cream uh, for, for, for people who have been back east or know back east. Yeah. It's a pretty small uh, town in western New England. How small? Uh like gosh, I don't people, know. I don't know hundred. now. Yeah, no, what not not a few then? hundred. I mean, then it was probably in the tens of thousands. Oh, okay. Decent so size, it's not crazy. It's this. It's a suburb of um, Springfield where the basketball hall of fame is. A lot oh. of people know it because of that. Okay. So, okay. in between Springfield and Boston, um, not not like a small town like. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I can. <laughs> is there electricity really here? Small town. <laughs> Not yeah. like that kind of small town, but right. small enough that, you know, I yearned for the city or I yearned for a more kind of urban lifestyle. Uh, so even then there. you were, you wanted to be in a city. I wanted to be where like, it felt like something was happening, uh, you know, and, yeah. and it was small enough that it was one of those places where it feels like nothing is happening here. Yeah. I remember that from, from sure. my teenage years for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we met through skateboarding. Yep. At what point did you start skateboarding? So, before skateboarding, it was BMX. Same like for I me. was I was riding BMX bikes. And then somewhere around the transition between BMX bikes and skateboarding, I was breakdancing. Ah, you actually did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That was how I got into hip-hop and... Just, I couldn't really break, but I brought the radio and the linoleum and was the organizer and, you know, yeah. the ref yeah. or whatever. I was, cool. I was tall already. Me too. You know, and so uh, as a break dancer and then as eventually as a skateboarder, like I was always like a weird, yeah, a weird situation, you know, just because sure. like all the guys who I knew who were really good, like they were all short. Very they, short. They had like in a both disciplines, low center of gravity. <laughs> right, right. So as as a breaker, like it was it was weird. There were certain things I was good at, you know. Of course. But then there were certain things that I just my body didn't want to do those things. Sure. Um, so I was I was I had been riding bikes for a long time, and then I was uh, then I was break dancing, and then somebody handed me a skateboard, and then it was just all over. That was so, it. Somebody just handed you a board. Was it just some hand, like hand I, me down thing? I think one of like, my friends. Yeah, one of my friends was like, "Oh, I think you'd like skateboarding." And, and mm. then I begged my parents to go to the skate shop, and you know, yeah. And I ended up like, I I think I was probably around twelve, and I just I went That's when I started. so deep 12. into it. Yeah, I was doing it every day. And, me too. Yeah. So, I mean, well, you know, but they don't know. So, yeah. so I should probably say, yeah, the, uh, the skateboarding was the gateway to a lot of things. Um, I got, so eventually I moved out of my parents' house. I was like 16 and a half yeah, and it was just early. It was pretty early. Were you I mean, just kind of over it and able? I was in, um, I was in 11th grade, I think. And I bailed from high school. I had gone to a new England prep school. That was pretty strict, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like a a very academically rigorous school, and sure. we had to do um, organized sports for all. Like every season, you had to be doing something. Two of the seasons, you had to do a sport that was competitive, so where, where you played against other schools. I ran track and played soccer, mm-hmm. but the 
I just, I was getting so into the other cultures that I was in and school was just not my jam and I, I wasn't into it. At that point, I think by the time when I left, I was a straight edge skinhead and really in the punk rock scene and skateboarding yeah. every day and yeah. it just being part of a new england prep school was not it was just not the the only thing yeah. i liked about it was art there was oh. like a there was a good art department there there was a couple of teachers who really cared about art and really cared about the students and so like so many people you hear about in in our circles you know the art classes and the art teachers and <clears throat> professors were like the place where it was at yeah so yeah huh. so so you just you just like screw it yeah yeah pretty much wow and um my my mom was straight hippie straight hippie lady probably didn't understand what you were doing on some level or oh no she she she, she totally got it. it yeah even though it was just different subcultural movements or whatever that you were yeah moving I think through she, she was still like nah I see what's going on here. I think she was a little like, who are these friends of yours? You know, but she got it. My dad, on the other hand, they, they were, they are a crazy, crazy pair. Cause she's straight hippie. He's like this. He's like one of those people who's been a Republican so long that he's a Republican because he cares so much about the country and he like honestly believes that like that's the way to care about the country. Sure. He thought that, you know, I, I remember back even as far as like Reagan, you know, who he thought was he was very critical of and thought was screwing things up. And then oh. Bush even like. He was like, ugh, like, but, but he voted for him. You know, yeah. he was like a party lines kind of a dude. Sure. And he was in town politics. So he was like a real strict, like work ethic, straight, you know, I didn't have a lot of them when I was really young. Yeah. Cause he was gone all the time. Cause he was oh, working. Sure. He, he, uh, sure. he sold books to bookstores. He was okay. an old school sales rep. Yeah. And was just gone all the time. Sure. Um, so, I mean, on the one hand, I got a really good work ethic from him. Yeah. But on the other hand, he was like super strict. And sure. when I decided to leave school, he sat me down and was basically like, okay, you don't want to. He had gone to that school mm. um, and it was his alma mater. And he was like a football star, <laughs> like at no, the school, you know, so you can kind of like it, You can kind of imagine it. Well, his reputation was probably important if he went through those circles, and to have yeah. his son just be like, "You know what? This is I just want not to my rage thing." And, and skate and screw this. <laughs> yeah. This is stupid. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm tripping. That'd be heavy. So he sat me down and was like, "If you're going to live in this house and you're not going to go to school, you're going to have a job." So I just went and got a job, and the job I got was the janitor at the elementary school that I had gone to, which was like a super taste of humble pie like literally i could remember like being in those halls and the the head janitor was still the same head janitor that had been there when i was a kid so it was this very trippy like i think that's cool though dude because i washed dishes and stuff when i was young oh yeah and when i was still in high school you know and it's like no you just take a job and you, you do the job and you try to do it well and whatnot and that was it huh that's so cool. at that time I was skating a lot and working at these random jobs. And then I got an opportunity to move to Northampton, which was about 45 minutes away. Okay. Great little college town. I've heard um, all about Northampton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful spot. So when I had that opportunity was like right at the same time that I got sponsored. I got a shop sponsor for skating and Oh, what shop? Uh they were called Inner Skate 91. And where was that? It was in they had a place in Amherst. Okay. Um which was part of the five college area, so yeah. Northampton's part of this five college community. Yeah. I think it's Smith, Mount Holyoke, Hampshire College, UMass Amherst and then um there's one more. Yeah. A couple of them were girls' schools. Oh. And um, 
and then the rest were all co-ed and it was a pretty like progressive area there were buses that went everywhere you didn't have to have a car like right. the buses were free for the students and it was yeah. pretty easy to pose as a student yeah. um so my my shop sponsor was there I got a job at a restaurant in that town, and then from there, kind of on, I was just living on my own. I had roommates, but I was I was living on my own and skating. Yeah. And eventually, the shop that the shop that was sponsoring me, um, they gave me a job because they were like, you know, you're around, you're around a lot, too. and I got a shop sponsor, and then they gave me a job. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I I, had, I was working at the shop and we put on this skate camp, and the skate camp was amazing. So uh, I met through skate camp. I met well through that shop sponsorship. I met uh, Corey Shaw, who's shout out to Corey. He's amazing. This this amazing director and huh. um, animator now. Cool. Um, and. Actually, I think you knew him because he, huh. he he used to hang out with Doze. Oh, well, in the, so that's in the, the thing. East Bay. When you said his name, it sounded familiar, but yeah. I couldn't place where. Yeah. Yeah. So I met Corey. Corey and I got to be good friends, and then our our other good friend Jim um, ended up being pro on Black Label. Oh. Jim Gagney. Oh yeah. Okay. Amazing. What year Amazing was this? skateboarder. So this has got to be. Maybe late eighties, very early nineties. Because I, I moved to San Francisco in ninety two, the year before I met you. Yep. So this had to have been the late eighties. Yeah. And we had a little crew of people. I mean, it was me and Corey and Jim, and then Timmy Upson. Mm -hmm. um, we'd go and meet Timmy in uh, in Connecticut at the playground. This incredible indoor park. I mean, when you grow up in the East Coast and you're one of the sponsored kids, like there isn't a whole lot of places to skate for. No you know four or five months out of the year yeah. you're skating indoors in parking garages and but then you can go we'd road trip to the different indoor parks yeah and playground was just a amazing thing that happened um so in the summer we all like all of us were sponsored by interskate and we'd have these skate camps and the skate camps were incredible i mean we had ed templeton and mike Vallely, um Johnny Schillerif was wow. there a bunch of times. Fun time. Dude. Like the, to have hung out era. with and known Johnny when he was like in his early skateboard, like he was yeah. just a skateboarder then. Yeah, yeah. Like, and right, to right, see what's right. happened now. Sure. Like that was a super cool time. I, I, yeah. I met and hung out with uh Andy Howell and um at that when Andy brought Johnny and then Chris Hall. Do you know Chris? Of course. Yeah. Chris was in my graffiti crew. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man, I thought Chris and Allie Mills. Yeah. Chris and Allie Mills came because that was right when New Deal was jumping off. Exactly. Oh, my God. So, the, the way those guys skated was like so, it, it just, it completely changed the way that I skated. Yeah. Because you just, you got to like hang out with and be with people who were doing the things that you saw in the magazine but it was, it was for me, it was my first experience of like, oh, these are just like, just like us. Like literally like, yeah. these aren't like superhuman, like, <laughs> like some otherworldly people. They're just people just like us. And yeah, and they were great. I mean, Chris yeah. is like one of the most solid down to earth dudes sure. like you'll ever want to meet. Yeah. Well, so did you want to interject something? No, I would just, uh. So it seems like you're just making these connections within this, the skateboard world, which yeah. is eventually where, where we ended up crossing. I'm wondering, you know, uh, a lot of the names that you said, I know a lot of those guys are artists. Yeah. And, you know, we're always doing art. Did you guys talk about that stuff back then, or was it just strictly skating? Mostly it was strictly skating. Yeah. I mean, I, there was, I was certainly interested in Andy, for instance, because Me I too. because I knew he was an artist and also yeah. a phenomenal well, skateboarder. He, he was drawing the ads for New Deal back then, wasn't he? Yeah, and yeah. Underworld Element. Yep. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, that whole thing, all that was happening. Yeah. And I had the same interest in Ed. Yeah. Because me too. because of the art connection. Yep. Um, but we we didn't really talk that much about it. Yeah. Um, at that time, though, I remember at that time, I was doing this interesting art thing. I had some friends who I, I knew through hardcore shows yeah. 
Yeah. And in the East, especially like in New England at that time, like people would, it was not uncommon to travel like pretty far for a hardcore show. Sure. So like a bunch of us from Massachusetts would go down to Connecticut and we'd drive like two, two and a half, three hours to go to a show. And there'd be people there who drew, who drove like from New York or from, you know, from all yeah. over. Like, so I got to be kind of friends with a group of people who were geographically pretty disparate. Yeah. And at that time there was no internet. Like no. this is pre, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. I'll catch Maybe you on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. So that just wasn't even happening. So I started doing this cool graphic design thing that I didn't even know was a graphic design thing then. Cause it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I was just sure. a little dorky art kid. Yeah. But we were using doing these things called friendship books. Did you ever know about this? I don't know. So I it's a lot like black books, actually. Okay. Um, but they're small. So okay. we would we would make these little books that are like four, maybe five, like really small. Okay. And you'd do a page. Okay. And by do a page, I mean like you'd art out on sure. a page. And then you'd mail it to the next person in the chain and then they'd do a page and then the next person would get it. And so you could start a book and then the book would end up coming back to you or you'd just be part of a chain. And I was doing that for a while and I I remember what that was like. And I was straight doing like layout, (laughs) you know, like I was like cutting up magazines and cutting type out of magazines and laying out these like pages. Freedom of just creating with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could find some of them because they were like, they were in my, in my memory, they were like the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. In fact, if any of the people who ever did that, who are one of the people that did that with me, please like, let me know. Yeah. It was, so that's like one of my early memories of doing design and doing like that kind of art. And it was all hand done. It was all totally by hand. I mean... The computers weren't even really on the scene at that point, were they? I mean, no. Not for oh, doing I guess, that. Yeah, there, I guess, there were. I did, um, AutoCAD in high school. Right. But it was it was brand new. Yeah. And that was around 88, 89. Yeah. Yeah. My mom had, uh, I remember, an Apple IIc. I did too. And I, I was into like playing some janky game on it and using the, I think it was called art at that time (laughs) and using art to like make these like crazy, like shapes that had these crazy, like pattern fills and stuff just, just to like try stuff. uh, It was like completely fascinating, right? All those machines. Yeah. If we could get our hands on them, you know, you'd fuck with it and see what it could do. Yeah. If it was cool, it was cool. And if not, you just moved on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. That's cool. So those connections that you were talking about, the most important one was just about to happen. So, so we eventually, um, had real started. That was right at the time when real skateboards started. Okay. And the first year that real was like a thing, we had Tommy and Jim come. And so Tommy Guerrero and Jim Thebow came to the camp. So I met them that first time and that was super sick. And, you know, they were just doing real and it was awesome. The second year, the guy who was running the shop, the guy named Dave Schreiber, incredible, like incredible kind of impresario guy in the action sports retail like world. He, he went from doing this stuff with this, with the, with Interskate. He left there to get a job at Burton. And when I say that, I'm talking about when Burton was like, he got the job from Jake. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, Burton (laughs) Snowboards was still small in the 80s. Tiny. Yeah. Tiny. One of my first freelance jobs was for Burton. Yeah. They were a a very, very small company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he got this job to go work, like, literally from Jake. Mm -hmm. And then he worked there for I don't even know how long. Then he went and started a shoe brand. And now he's global head of brand at nike oh wow yeah i mean like it's totally right like crazy steps steps. so that guy was the he ran the shop and he's the guy who sponsored me he was the guy who was running the camp super cool dude love him he left right 
to do this thing. And he was like, okay, Ben, you're going to run the camp this year. Oh, shit. I didn't know jack shit about running a skate camp. But they had done enough, and we had, like, a lot of the same volunteers and stuff. So we were just going to do it. But the main thing I had to do was, like, call everybody and make sure they were going to come. So I had all the interaction with Real and with Tommy and Jim. They came that year, and then that was the year that everything happened. So at that time, I'm sponsored by Milk Skateboards. That was this wacky little company that Christian had done. I remember Milk. You know about Milk. Yeah, their ads were cool, I remember. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they they were flowing me like boards and the stuff that they made. Yeah. And then I had a clothing sponsor called Gouge Anti Workwear. You remember remember Gouge? Absolutely. And then, I don't know, like Mike and Ed flowed me a bunch of those Zero Two shoes. Oh, I for, remember for a while because I was I was yeah, I was yeah. vegan then. Right, right. And so I was getting those shoes, and the, the, like that was my like ragtag, <laughs> like bunch of little sponsors. That's all you needed. That's though. all you needed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, oh shit! Like I was like I was super psyched about it. Believe me. That's just it. So that's my little bunch of sponsors, and I'm skating and then running this camp. And Tommy basically takes me aside and says, "If you." want to try and make it in skateboarding you need to move to california uh, right. and i was like well that sounds cool and everything but like how the hell am i going to do that <laughs> like exactly. i you know i've got this like janky little job and like i i would i wouldn't even know how to begin and he goes this is this i i mean to this day like i i owe him and jim like a real a real debt because they just said well you come and you stay at with me for two weeks while you find a place and then you find a place and then you move in there and you know, we'll see if we can help you get a job. And I mean, they had absolutely no reason to do this. Right. No, but they did, you know, I'm sure they could spot the guys that could handle it and they needed people in the business that could do it. Maybe I, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. I feel like once they saw that I could, give them some drawings that they could make money with i was in yeah yeah that's true you know that's true it was just but that's not everybody yeah and they're looking they're looking hard yeah i guess so you know especially as the business was expanding oh yeah well the business was really expanding then yeah so i mean of course i said yes yeah (laughs) you know and then i got out to san francisco and i had a job at print time they helped me get a job at print time print time was the um, the main source for silk screening for all the Northern California skateboard companies? Yeah, we maybe silk, we, we silk screened. Say like, okay, so that's Thrasher magazine. So any Thrasher T-shirt has come out of print time. Stickers probably too. since day one. Stickers, huh? T-shirts, all think, stickers, T-shirts, and boards. That's think yeah. Real so think real all trucks. Uh, all the deluxe brands. So it wasn't yeah. just real; it was real Spitfire, stereo. Anti-hero. Yeah. All of those. All those yeah. stickers, shirts, sure. and boards. Sure. And I don't know if they still do. So how did you? How did they end up getting you placed at the print <laughs> shop? I mean, did you have some that sort is, of skills that you could yeah. parlay into that job? Yeah, I was six foot three. <laughs> you were tall. Period. They needed somebody tall. <laughs> Straight up. What for? Well, you know, when you silk screen skateboard graphics, you have to be you have to be able to draw a silk screen. Were you actually screen. pulling the screen? Hell, yes. Wow. Yeah. See, I didn't even realize that oh, you, you, didn't? you did that. Yeah, dude. Huh. Before before we met, so before I worked it. at Think. Well, cuz that's another big thing. Back in the day, the screen the silk screens themselves were bent Oh yeah, shape to fit the curve of the board, Dude. so that you had to pull the squeegee on yes. angles <laughs> exactly. to be able to pull a smooth surface. Now yeah. they're printed on flat vinyl, Are and they? then the vinyl is applied to the board. No way, really? I, I'm serious. I didn't wow, know you that. Didn't know that. I okay, didn't so know that. that. All right. Well, that's fantastic for me. <laughs> so yeah, the vinyl thing happened. I really a long didn't know time that. Ago. Wow. Yeah, I can remember going to visit Print Time when they had switched to the vinyl system, and oh. all those guys that had worked for so long yeah. to be able to print skateboards perfectly—it was all serious, of a sudden dude. were out of a job because any teenager could come in and put and a vinyl the onto thing. the board. What? Yeah. 
Oh, I remember see, the I, dude. I cried. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I'd, I'd worked with those dudes, too. I mean, that's the thing. You remember Jose? Of course. Dude. Yeah, I remember Jose all those guys. Jose was the best. Because, I mean, again, they were, they were professionals. Yeah. They worked hard. They, well, they were craftsmen. Yeah. They were craftsmen at a thing that is no longer a, th- a thing. Silkscreen, fine silkscreen printing. And Jose was like... surfaces. Jose was like a straight, like, roadie, like, full Mexican, like, ten words of English. Sure. M- like, uh, rodeo cowboy. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, if he yeah. wasn't silkscreening skateboards, that's what his jam was. Oh, sure, sure. But no, that guy I could silkscreen like the yeah. shit out of skateboards, no, which was that's crazy. The that's the thing. It was a hand skill. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I got there, they... It was trippy because it was like totally like secretive that they had built these curved silk screens. All like it was actually was kind of like a big deal Absolutely. that, that they had done that. It, it was straight up. Yeah. All of that. How, the, how to press the boards, the yeah. pressure, the glues, how to make the wheels, yeah. the trucks, the metal. I don't know where they were getting secret. their, I don't know where they were getting their wood then. Um, I don't remember either. But we would get blank boards and then there weren't like there were they were actually like controlled about how many people they would let into the the room in the back where we actually pulled the silk screens yes. for the boards because they were these wacky like curved silk screens and you know that was when Eric and Fausto were still there and yeah all the it companies was all like that super I've paranoia since those days they were all very secretive about how they made because it was technological innovations in each company yeah. that was their their thing our urethane is better than oh, their oh yeah totally our trucks grind better. Well, our boards are stiffer our right yeah no no it's a competitive business so so i worked at print time yeah and we were that was when they were in the first location it was much smaller than the one that they moved to down the street from think so in the first location much smaller i got hired because i was tall like pretty much literally because I was tall. So sure. if you can imagine this, you have to silkscreen a skateboard with a curved silkscreen. You have to pull a squeegee with even pressure from the nose to the tail. Yep. And they needed tall guys who were strong enough to just pull, you yep. know, really evenly. And because I was an artist, I had like the right kind of sensitivity to what Fast. needed to happen, yeah. you know? Because yeah. I was also drawing and making things that needed to be silkscreened. So I got the job at print time. I met Ron Allen. Ah, shout was, out to he, Ron. Shout Allen. out to Ron. Dude. <laughs> Ron was Brad. the shit. He is the shit. Yeah. He's still such a great personality in skateboarding. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. So he he had ju- he was just doing fun then. Right. Remember fun? Yes. Keith was pro for him. He was Keith. Keith no, 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 no. Keith, Keith Huffenagel. Oh, Huff. whoa, the other Keith. Yeah, dude. Okay. So Keith Huffnagel so was riding for Ron Allen. Keith was gonna he was like what year was gonna this? be the new pro. You know, he was gonna be the big was he, this he was such a big deal. Is that when you said you it, moved to So it would have been right before because I think if I remember correctly, something happened. Like I think Keith rode for fun for a little bit and then he got a then he was gonna then some decision was made that he was gonna ride for real. Yeah. And that's what was so trip like that was one of my first like introductions into like decisions being made oh right <laughs> you know like that oh, sure. by like these other forces so yes. to speak sure. Sure. <laughs> who were kind of the divining the direction of all skateboarding sure which, which is a trip strategic business moves yeah in the end. yeah yeah totally yeah so and i thought it seemed like i was maybe going to get to ride for for run and oh, so cool. I went and skated with Ron in, in Oakland a couple of times. We had a really good time, but it never really like worked out. But I had already told Milk that it seemed like I was going to be riding for someone else. So then I found myself without a sponsor. Classic. <laughs> I, I had met Keith and Fish at Think. Keith Cochran. Keith Cochran and okay, Don, Don Fisher. Fisher. Right. And they, I don't know, they took some kind of a liking to me because they started, well, I guess it was Greg who started flowing me stuff, Greg Carroll. Okay. Um, started flowing me stuff off of and that think. was the, the just so people are clear that was the the think uh, what the 
the Trinity was Greg yeah. Carroll, Don Fisher, and Keith Cochran. They were so the you were the, mixing it up with the those progenitors guys and, of of Think. Yeah, as it as it became. Right. Um, and at that time, I mean, it was really the three of them, and I think Rob was working there. Yes. Like there, it was a pretty small company. Yes. Um, but they started flowing me stuff, and so then I was technically writing for Think and Venture and. I don't know if I had a wheel sponsor. Hmm. So I was then writing for them. Yeah. And it was at that time that really I figured out that I like trying to be a professional skateboarder was just not the path that I was really wanting to go down. Yeah. Like it was just not for me. I loved skateboarding. I wanted to keep skateboarding. I wanted to be a part of skateboarding, but being a pro was just, it, I didn't have what it took. I like, yeah. I, I recognized that I didn't yeah. have what it took. And I also just wanted something different for myself. Um, and they, not as though it was any kind of a like, Oh shit, Ben's not going to go pro, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm not nearly that egotistical. Sure. They were just flowing me and they were kind of taking care of me. And then I was like, you know what? Like, this isn't going to be for me, but I want to do something in this. And they were like, well, great. Why don't you come have a job at Think? Uh, so instead of working at print time, I got the job at Think. I was a shipper for a month, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> another, like, another, like, almost like Tommy saying that thing to me moment happens. And this just speaks to what skateboarding was like then and what, or what the skateboarding industry was like then. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the think office every time I got a chance to have a break or do something other than, you know, packing boxes for, for shops, yeah. I was drawing stuff and putting together shirts. And I had that shirt. You remember Which shirt? it was the one where think was like stacked in a vertical and all the letters were interlocking. Oh yeah. I remember that one. So I had designed this shirt and then I was working on the separations on the computer Okay. And this is this is literally how things happen. Then. Yeah. Fausto walks by me and stops. And he turns and looks at the computer and he goes, you, who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm bad. I mean, at this point, I knew who Fausto was. So I was like, kind of well, like, oh, shit, he's again, talking to I me. I think we should clarify. We're talking about Fausto Vitello, yeah. who owned, along e with, everything. I suppose, Eric Swenson. <laughs> Everything, Everything in Northern California skateboarding. He was the guy that started it. Those yeah. two guys, basically. Pretty much those two guys were... So to get the nod from the main man was like, whoa. <laughs> well, just even that he was talking to me was like... Right, right. What's, what's even happening right now? Yeah. So he says, you, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Ben. You know, I, I, I ship right now. But And he's like, didn't you design some stuff? And I was like, yeah, I designed this shirt and that shirt. And he goes, you know the computer? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm working on the separations for this thing right now. And then like literally a day later, like Keith and fish pull me into an office and they're like, you're going to be the art director. <laughs> right. I'm 47. I'll be 47 this year. Yeah. I've been doing this since then. Yeah. I've had, I've hired art directors yeah. and designers and, like that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't, you don't get, the, you don't get opportunities like that. That's the thing though, dude. Like that's how I ended up in the it, same Totally. Yeah. Place. No, exactly. You had it's exactly, you were like this like, snotty nose, well, like graffiti writer kid who shows up at ASR. Well, and again though, <laughs> it was the phone. Yeah. I was ordering boards for the beach zone in Albuquerque. That's right. I was talking to Rob, yeah. who was the sole salesman back yeah. then. I said, I could draw better graphics than what you're sending me. And he That's said, right. fuck you, send some graphics. <laughs> and I did. And they liked them. I was and in, that was that. I was in the room <laughs> when Rob came into the office and was like, hey, Keith, fish. <laughs> I got this kid. He's telling me that he can draw better graphics than what ours are. Than what we have. And they were like, what did you say? And he said, I said, fuck you. Send me some graphics. And they were both like, good. That was the right thing to say. Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, and again, it was just, it was that, just that little bit to get in there. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? And then, uh, yeah, and then it was on. So I guess, so the, the other piece of the backstory to have is like, 
we were saying Mike, uh, sorry, uh, Eric, 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 Eric Swenson, Swenson yeah. and Fausto yeah. pretty much owned all the companies in Northern California, yes. all, all the like significant companies. They basically created the they, skateboard business. They created business. the skateboard business, yeah. at least in Northern California. Sure. And they did it in a way that was truly to grow skateboarding. They, yes. they would sell off ownership and I'm using air quotes when I say ownership to whoever they figured out was going to be the right person to like own a company. They'd sell them the ownership of the company and then they would kind of have them compete against each other. Yeah. And when they could tell that the market was kind of like into something, they'd throw some extra resources behind it. Right. Yeah. Think hadn't had a turn for a little while. Yeah. And shortly before you got there, I didn't know it at the time, but I learned after being there for a few years that I happened to be there at the time when they were just getting a turn. Like mm. Fausto and Swenson were going to like pour a little extra resources their way. Some things were going to happen. That was when Stesic came. Yes. Now we're talking about Craig Stesic, the yeah. legendary artist who still, still yeah. who worked on all kinds of Bones Brigade stuff. Well, okay. and also was the guy that basically brought the whole Dogtown scene to yeah. light in the old skateboarder magazines. Yep. He was the photographer and writer. Yep. I mean, he defined what like underground skate culture was about at the time. Tr truly a, a skate and skate art historian and still a legendary yeah. you know, artist. Yeah. So Craig was going to come up and spend a couple days with us like crafting some you know what i now know would be brand strategy like at the time we didn't call it anything we just said craig was going to come I, hang out with us i totally remember those meetings but i don't yeah, yeah i mean we didn't have the, the vocabulary no we didn't know that. what we were doing no. so they were going to get this extra like little bit of a push and they needed somebody who could be like a me mm -hmm. and then they knew that they needed an illustrator who yeah. could really take their game to another level in terms of having custom illustrated boards because I'm not right. an illustrator. Right. And so that's how you and I <laughs> kind of yeah. came together. No, and it was happened. a magic, it was a magic time <laughs> for both of us. And it was a yeah. magic time in skateboarding. Because it was. Oh yeah. That was crazy. Well, and you know, and we still skated. Oh yeah. I mean, I All the time. I feel like I was, I was thinking back, didn't I see you get hit by a car? I feel like we were at, on Mission Street and we were doing this. It was like a, a a driveway kind of cut and it went down and then a little up and you could ollie over a, a sidewalk and then land in an alley. I think it was between first and second on oh my Mission. God. And you were doing like switch kickflips or something over it. And I remember just being like, whoa, this dude's so dope. But a car was coming down the alley and just like <laughs> you landed and, and it hit you and you just kind of rolled over the hood. But it was, I just remember that because it was one of the few times I saw somebody get hit. And I don't think you were tripping at all. You just got up. And I totally forgot about that. Can you even remember yeah. that at all? No, now like, I totally remember yeah, it. I remember you, you saying that. Smacked. Like, I'm totally yeah, yeah. remembering yeah. that. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, we still, we, you know, I was the same way. I thought, oh, man, being a pro skater might be neat. And then it was like, nah, dude, I am not a pro <laughs> yeah, skateboarder. Right, but exactly. I draw in the skateboard business. But we still skated like crazy. Well... Yeah, the the camp was interesting that way. Like it was like, you know, certain things are now like where we built a bunch of obstacles and we built this really cool like place to skate in. And there's this sort of twisted perception like you could be pretty good in a setting like that. But Oh yeah. Then and when I spot. Right. And then when <laughs> when I got to the streets of San Francisco and started skating with Tommy and Jim cuz they would take me skating all the time. And I was skating around all these guys who were real, like actual who are the real actual professional yeah. skateboarders. Yeah. I was like, it was humbling, you know. I mean, it sure was for me too. And that was, I mean, I gotta yeah. gotta give a nod to that was that was the kind of golden time of EMB. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like I just missed it when I got there in October of '93. Yeah, it was done. <clears throat> it was an amazing time to be down there and just be around the culture and what was happening there. The yeah. skateboarding was at like a level that was just unbelievable to me. Yeah. Um, and that, that those are all the things like meeting Mike Carroll and meeting the guys who were Henry Sanchez and yeah. Rick Ibiseta. Oh my God. Yeah. Rick Ibiseta. 
I remember seeing all those guys skate too. And those guys, like that's that's what had me go. Like, oh, I'm not them. <laughs> no, no. It's just, I, it was I know thing. I'm supposed to be here. But I, I saw, know I'm uh, supposed to be part of this, but big, I'm not uh, a pro. <laughs> that big vert ramp that was just up the street from Think across the street oh, yeah. from Crasher. What did they call that thing? It was it had a funny nickname. It was yeah. like the Widowmaker or something. Oh, you mean Bryce's ramp? Was it Bryce's ramp? Yeah. But no, I, I just remember going not. over there. It was the first time I met Jake. Uh, Phelps uh-huh. and uh, he yelled at me of course and I, I called him an asshole and it was <laughs> it was all good but like um, I remember seeing Wade Spire skate there and oh. I was just like holy shit yeah. alright this dude yeah. is a professional like oh my god like, I, I couldn't believe how just yeah. smooth and fast and wild and do you remember going to Wade's so ramp Wade's ramp in the East Bay, uh, I guess it was I like do. it was like I indoors in a barn. Yeah, yeah. And you'd like get up to the top, and you'd have to kind of like hunch head, down because you hit your head on that, the ceiling. That, yeah, no, I yeah. remember going there. It was small. It was crazy. That was super fun. Well, something you know, you you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but you were into the hardcore scene. Yep. Um, back east, and then you got to uh, San Francisco. And the thing I remember about us was house music. Oh, yeah. So how what the hell happened there, bro? Like, how do you go from, you know, hardcore to house music? I mean, I, I kind of did this, the the same thing, yeah. you know, but it was, was that San Francisco? Had you ever fucked with that shit? Back no. No, nah, see, that's the thing. No, no. I, I mean, so. frankly, I got to say you, I, I got to credit you for uh, turning me on to well, elect, electronic dance music uh, okay. as a whole. Ah, um, okay. I was a weird anomaly of a kid who nowadays you kind of hear this more, I think, but at that time, like you were into a thing or you were not, you know what I mean? Like if you were into the hardcore well, scene, if you weren't, you'd get called a poser. Exactly. Exactly. The worst. exactly right. <laughs> but so I grew up in a house. My mom had shitloads of records. Like, so I was into all kinds of old music, you yeah. know? Um, she loved, she was a hippie. Like I said, she played a lot of like folk music and a lot of like, you know, the classic rock kind of stuff. Same with my folks. Um, and then jazz. And mm-hmm. so I had that influence. Then I personally got like very into hip hop just because of the break dancing and some of the friends that I had. And it just like, I got really into hip hop. And then yeah. similarly, when I was into skateboarding, like you got to remember at that time, like hip hop wasn't so much a part of skateboarding. Like now there's like this whole hip hop connection where like, there's a whole lot of people who are into skateboarding where it's just like hip hop and skateboarding are just hand in hand. That was a phase. Yeah. Like that mid nineties movie that just came out. It was like that. That was like that hip hop era to me of skateboarding. Right. Yeah. But there was a time before that. Absolutely. Like when I was this like sponsored grommet shop sponsored grommet kid in you know western mass and connecticut skating in the esa concert contests where like the entire scene was hardcore yeah. the whole scene was you know poison ivy and were. like ska and punk like yeah. that was just what it was like to be a skateboarder was to be into that stuff yes so there's a way that I, I got exposed to all these things and it just all added up to like I am now where I listen to all kinds of things. Yeah. But, but I got to say you and, and meeting you and just like what you were into was my first real influence of house music, Uh, like straight up house music. I guess I didn't know that. Well, and you, you were at the time you were going out with, I don't remember her name, but she was awesome. <laughs> and oh, she'd Lorelei, come, yeah, probably. yeah, you were going. That's right, yeah. you were going out with Lorelai, and you were already into house music. Yeah, and I was. raves. Absolutely. I went to my first rave with you for sure. Remember what it was? No, I mean it yeah. was some 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 warehouse some warehouse <laughs> in the middle of San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I went to my first rave with you, but then Lorelai moved to the UK. Yeah, she did. And then you went to the UK and you yeah. came back with all these tapes of the UK radio and you oh, yeah. were like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> like you will never believe what they're playing over there. Yes. 
And yeah. then that was when we got into Jungle. That's true. That's that's exactly when I discovered Jungle. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I went to see Lorelei in 94, I think, in England. And I went to look for house music. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we don't even really do that anymore. And I was like, what? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You know? Right. So they were like, check out this Jungle. And it, it took me a while to get into it. But, uh, but I did. And well, I remember then I was in San Francisco and nobody really had it. No. And, that's how I ended up being so tight with the guys from like Funk Attack because right. nobody had even heard of that genre of electronic music, yeah. you know, and it would clear dance floors at Ray. Totally. I would jump into the floor. Uh-huh. Like, I loved I was I was at, about it. Yeah. I, would, I, I, was, I was at Raves with you yeah. when that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, what the hell? But no, people didn't understand it. Yeah. No. But that cool. but then it started to catch on. I mean no, I did for sure. Cause didn't you end up going to Sound Factory and stuff yep. with me? Yep. And that was something that the the guys, the owners from Think, they were in that scene before <laughs> we got there. Like, yes, they were. That's the thing. Like those guys were all big in the rave scene. Yeah. And took us clubbing and took yep. us to the bomb stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we could skip the line even. Yep. You know? Yeah. If no, we were with was, Keith. If we were with Keith. Remember Keith's Mr. friend Brian. Brian. Absolutely. Yeah. He was such a Because Keith DJ. and Brian were like... That dude was the man. Was they were he, like Was Brian kings. the DJ? Was no. Brian his dancing partner? Brian was his dancing... No, 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 no. Brian. I don't remember if Brian was a DJ. I can't remember either. The dancer was a different guy. He was incredible, though. Yeah, there was a few... That, that was the thing. That was, a, that, was a crazy, that was a crazy time. Well, we were going to do a think ad with the guy who was the dancer. I wish I could remember oh. his name. But we were going to do a think ad with him because we were we were still trying to be like let's push what a skateboard company can be, right? We like let's do a graffiti ad that's yeah. that doesn't even have a skateboarder in it. Let's well, do I, a breakdancing ad. I always felt like Think was an experimental brand on some level because yeah. every other brand, you, you know, they had a definitive kind of look and like a, a way of doing graphics and stuff. And the think decks were pretty different one next to the other. Yeah. Even though I drew almost all of them. Like because <laughs> the because the writers were coming in with such weird reference material. Yeah. It was all over the place, you know? So Well and that's that's something that's good to mention. I don't I don't know what it's like now, but at the time that we were doing it, a new board graphic was always like there was almost no like are good ideas it was like very rarely x person's gonna have a board yeah. like that guy would come in and would talk with us and like it was all very collaborative with the Absolutely. with the writer Absolutely. It, whether they had like drawings or they had like actual things that they wanted on the board or they were just like random you know well, this is know, what I, this is what i was thinking and then you draw something i, I feel or, like there was some ethics to that too because i can remember writers coming in with just terrible ideas <laughs> but you know we'd run up to keith or fish or somebody and just be like hey man you know dandra hobo wants to do this or this and this is a little crazy you know and they're like no nah, just roll with it that that's dan like yeah just do it just make it look good well know? and that was before dan started just doing all of his own stuff sure well, and Phil Shaw would bring in the weirdest <sighs> ideas. Wade was like the easiest work one to work with. It was like a demon yeah, lady totally. or some fire, <laughs> and which I loved. Yeah. some heavy metal lettering. That I was, was great. Oh, he was so easy to deal with. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how much the the skaters are are in on that process these days. I, I wonder. Well, I'm not. You're you're way more in in that scene still than I am. Kind of. When when but I look I'm, at I it, I haven't dealt with pro riders in ages. No, so. sure. But yeah. when I when I review, like when I look at skateboarding art, or I look at the mag, or I look at stuff, I what I yeah. what I see is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like series. Yeah. You know? That's exactly They'll what do, like, a lot of series where all the boards are very similar or they have some kind of, like, special thing. I agree. But a lot of it's really great. Like, I'm not trying to, no, like, I'm not trying well, to cap on it at all. I remember the thing with the series was, though, if, if, the, if, one of, if the series didn't work, the whole series didn't work. Right. It wasn't just, like, yeah. one board didn't sell good. The yeah, whole no, the whole series wouldn't good. work. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, because we I remember when we were experimenting with four color process on decks, and it was a nightmare. Well, part of the nightmare. I, was I, I, I still was screening boards. Were you doing that when we screened the first Mike Santarosa four color board? I remember that. You remember board. that one? Yeah. Was yeah. it a Dali painting or something? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's crazy. I remember that yeah. shit. Damn. I rode that board, you too. You printed that? Yeah. What was it? It was so it was like hard. Super low line screens. Well, yeah. You had to it was 85. <laughs> 85 line screens. And we're printing four that's color process on boards. That is like dumb. Wow. No, that's pretty rad. But some of them came out really good. Yeah. I mean, but we were literally like pulling the screens and picking up a board and looking at it and being like, yeah, that can go to a shop. Yeah. Nope, that's going to yeah, Mike yeah. or that's going to, right. you know, they, no, they to some of the pro riders. We had yeah, tons. Four color process. I rode those boards for probably a year just yeah. because, like, yeah, yeah. there were so many, like, there extras. Were. So, I mean, I when did you end up leaving Think? I left in 97. I don't remember the year. I remember I had I had a moment where I just realized that I wanted to do graphic design for the rest of my life. I, I knew that this was what I was going to want to do for good. And at the time, um, I just thought like I need to I need to learn some things about this that I can't that I can't learn here. That's why I you know? left. I felt like I'd learned everything I could and I was comfortable and I'd just be like, all right, I can just cruise and do this the rest of my life. But to what end? I got yeah. way more stuff to learn. Yeah, I'm exactly. Young. And, you know, so, yeah, so you kind of did the same I don't thing. remember what year it was. I left there and I went to school. Ah, right. I, I left there and I went to San Francisco, San Francisco City College, the graphic communications department at City College. And it was, that was a great, that was a great period of time for me as an artist. It was a great period of time for me as a graphic designer. I was in, um, I was able to take like a full, a full year of like pretty much full course load classes. And they had a photography, um, like track thing. So if you were in the graphic communications department and you were interested in photography, then you could sign up for photo courses and then you had full access to the dark room uh, and yeah. the dark room was sick game changer yeah, yeah so yeah. that and that had a huge influence on my art even on my like just well, not, uh, on yeah, like fine that. art, yeah, art yeah. because totally. i was out like shooting a lot of photographs and then in the development process like i would develop them all fucked up or yeah. i'd like move the negative around we were totally like boring out you know um exposure sure uh, trays, right. so that it had the extra edges, the and like borders. yeah, like yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I was doing like I was cutting out type and laying it on photo paper and exposing it as part of the pro. Like it was yeah. just it was a time where I was just experimenting like crazy. Yeah. And at the same time, I was taking all these core classes so that I kind of learned about the rules of typography and the rules of the grid and laying out yeah. laying out things the right way, the right way. Because yeah. I, I hadn't had any of that formal education yet. Mm. And it was that was really important for me. You know, Isn't that funny? You'd been working as a professional. Exactly. It, that's that's what was so world. crazy. That's this what was so crazy world. about the skateboard world. Like, you, you only needed to know a certain amount of stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Once you got that, it was like, all right. I'm well, that's what's so funny about the the Fausto story. Like, sure. like literally, my interview was, you know, the computer? Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I miss that, dude. So, yeah. R.I.P. Is that when Fausto. you started working then at, uh, a, I feel like you were working at a print shop back then. Yeah, so I went to school for a while. Yeah. I had to go, I had a little brief foray where I had to, I moved back east for only like three months. And then I came back from that kind of hellacious trip. <laughs> um, came back and got a job at what at that time was called a service bureau and for right. a service bureau. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. So I'm going to explain what service bureau is Please. for all the, all, all of y'all who I know are in Mike's office, Mike, Mike's, uh, audience who are likely much younger than the two of us. Sure. <laughs> so at, at the time that this was happening, there needed to be an intermediary between 
people who needed something printed like advertising agencies and graphic design studios and just graphic designers, there needed to be an intermediary between them and like a, say a magazine. Right. Yes. And what we did was we made very high fidelity proofs that looked exactly the way that they would look in a magazine. Right. So to understand this, you have to know how magazines are printed. They're most often printed in what Mike was talking about before was four color process. That's where you take cyan, magenta, yellow, and black, and you mix them together to make, you know, all the colors. That's what just about everything printed on paper, especially is made. With. Most anything that's in color that's everything. printed lithographically is, yes. print, is printed that way. Yes. And even, you know, even digital printing has some kind of roots sure. in CMYK. So at the time, you know, nowadays those kinds of things are printed by a process where you take the digital file and you, you still have to make plates to print something on a, on a lithographic press, but they perfected the way of doing that digitally so that, you know, the digital file basically writes right to a plate. Yes. Before they had done that, you had to have film. Right. And so they would make film and then the film would be used to expose the plates and then the plates would print the thing. And so you can imagine there's all these layers of places where things could get messed up. Absolutely. Right? And they did. And they did all the time. Sure. And frankly, things probably were better when they, <laughs> when there was a certain amount of them getting messed up. Because <laughs> like, no. yeah. everything wasn't perfect. Sure. But at the time, we would make these things called match prints where we'd, we'd make the films. And then we'd make a, a proof that was made by laying the cyan magenta yellow and black layers on top of each other with these translucent pieces of plastic and you had to do it by hand and it was super super difficult i, I you know we, we would make them like you sometimes you'd have to make them like three or four times because it yeah. was so easy to mess up like one plate and, yeah. they, and they were very sticky so you couldn't like lay down one of the plates like a little bit wrong you'd ruin the whole thing so between that and then we had like copy machines where people would run out like a, a million copies of whatever. And yeah. we had like a, we had one of the first um, like high speed fiery printers oh, yeah. in San Francisco. Damn. So like the ad agencies would come and they'd have us make like 20 of like a pitch book, yes. you know, where they were pitching a new ad campaign. Yeah. So the, the good thing about that was that was my first job after leaving school yeah. and Basically, my job was to provide service to art directors, creative directors, designers, like the people who would ultimately like be the people I wanted to meet or I wanted right. to get hired by. Sure. Cause, but you know, you're helping them out. But I'm helping them out. So I was becoming you know invaluable to them. Yeah. And then, of course, eventually I'm like, oh, yeah, I like to do design stuff too. Uh, sure. Can I show you my, my stupid business card that I did? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, one or two of them would, would be, like, friendly and take a liking to me and say, yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's check that out. And then they'd be like, oh, you know, you should try this. Like, So I got this, like, weird sort of mentoring from that. But yeah. eventually, one of them was like, hey, kid, <laughs> you want a job? You know, and I, and I got hired out of that place. Yeah. And that was when I worked for uh, Robert Goldberg. Remember him? Yes. Yeah. And huh. our office was right around the corner from your house in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, that's interesting. Well, because again, like, I, in, I think in my first episode, I, I talked to Phil Guy, and he worked in uh, print shops and whatnot mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And I oh, always yeah. thought that that was really uh, a good thing to know how to do. Because again, these people were having to come you, come to you to make their work look right. Yeah. So you're an indispensable part of exactly. that process. But I think once you know that, then when you go back out, you know, on the other side of the, yeah. the counter, let's say, yep. you have this incredible skill set. Well, and I, I have to credit the, I mean, weird, weird people to credit. They'll never hear this, but I, I have to credit the people in the graphic communications department at that school at City College because oh, their, their program, you know, I had to run a press. Uh-huh. Like I had to learn what's called the California case back when, back when printing only happened with type that you had to set by hand. Oh, wow. All, all the type was organized in this thing called the California case. Okay. And I, it, know, it's I didn't a, know the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tray that has a, a giant series of tiny little, um, basically like tiny little boxes in it. And all the letters go 
in very particular places in them. Yeah. And if you were a printer or a person who set type at that time, you knew that case so well that you didn't even have to look to pick the letters right. because you had to do that shit. Just like using you had to do that shit fast. Yeah, you're not even looking. Yes. Yeah. So, so I remember, I remember it vividly. My, um, my final exam in that typography course was they give you a sheet of paper with a blank California case and you had to fill out like where everything in the California case sure. went. Right. So wow. the point of that whole story is just that they, they really taught you. I mean, and this was at a time where like they also had classes in illustrator and Photoshop and that you know, some, some of the things that were the just, transition. they were, they were really like the new software. I mean, illustrator I think was on like the first or second, you know, rev. Yeah. So, Corel Draw. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Corel Draw. I remember you used to use that. I used that. to use Corel Draw. Hell yeah. Because I was cheap and I didn't have a Mac. Yeah, no, I remember you were all, you were a PC. I was guy a PC guy for a while. You know, when we lived together at Eighth and Geary, I think that was the first time that I had internet in the house. Oh yeah. Yeah, because you were like you were savvy at that point. I feel like you were. <laughs> I'm in still it. savvy, motherfucker. That's the thing. You are though. You are though. Oh yeah. You know, I wanted to bring up when. Uh, yeah, you were working at the print shop, and we were living together at that point. We lived yeah. together for like a year, and yeah. then you met a lady, and you bounced, and you set me up with some dude that you worked with, and he lived with me for a few months, and he was the worst roommate yeah. I ever had. I remember that. That dude was so gnarly. I Who was, was so that guy? hoodwinked by that dude. Yeah, that where was did awful. I work with him? He worked at the print shop. Yeah, he worked dude. at. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Was his was name? So uh, his name was like Marcus or something I can't like remember, that. Bro. That dude was so gross. Yeah, he was scary.